And hi again, everybody. I hope that you are doing well as the holidays are officially upon us. Thanksgiving in the rearview mirror. And I continue my series on giving thanks. But I first want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. They have been around for over 20 years. They will be there for you no matter what time of the day you need help for your plumbing issues. They are available 24-7 for your plumbing needs and repairs. And all you need to do is go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. New Works Plumbing, they've got a fix for you. Once again, that's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. Two weeks ago, I was at the airport, and I had uh, a couple come up to me, and they said they were big fans of mine, and we talked for about 15 minutes. And they asked me a question that I get very often, and that is, what is my favorite moment of doing the Kings games? But I rarely get asked, what are my other favorite moments during my career? And I thought on this season of giving thanks and reflecting and, you know, spending more time with loved ones, the holidays and, you know, reflecting on the year that we had with now one month remaining before we celebrate a new year and turn the calendar to 2024. It made me think about some of the real great memories that I have had uh, being a broadcaster which started at a very early age for me. I used to uh, announce games and play games when I was on the school ground as a kid. I've shared this story very often, but if you are new to the podcast or if you have not heard this, when I was in junior high school, which was 7th, 8th, and ninth grades, Southwoods Junior High School in Syosset, New York, uh, one day we were having a assembly and it was all the students in the middle school. So we were in the big auditorium and it ended early and all of us had to wait until the bell rung before we went on to our next class, whatever that may have been. And all of a sudden, a couple of the friends of mine started chanting my name. They wanted me to go up on the stage and do a mock Knicks game or Rangers game. Then it caught on and everyone started chanting my name. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I was like, oh, gosh, that's that's too nerve-wracking. But I got up on the stage and I did a play-by-play of the Knicks-Lakers. Uh, I included commercials and uh, it was a big hit. So that became kind of the norm. Whenever we had a class assembly, if it ran short, my name would be called and I would get up on the stage and I would do a game. And, you know, this was, now we're talking about from 1974 to 1977, uh, the Knicks had just won two championships, the 69-70 season, and then uh, two years later with uh, Earl Monroe, who came over from the Baltimore Bullets. And, you know, I can't imitate Marv. I mean, I used to try and do a lot more, but, you know, I would get up on the stage and I would go, and we welcome you to Madison Square Garden. Uh, the Knicks warming up to our left in the white warm-ups, the white tops, the white pants with the blue stripe, and the Lakers down to our right. Knicks basketball brought to you by the FNM Brewers of Schaefer Beer. Schaefer is the one beer to have when you're having more than one. And by Ford, when America needs a better idea, Ford puts it on wheels. By Eastern Airlines, the wings of man and the second largest passenger carrier in the free world. Nick's 
Lakers here at the Garden. Reed and Chamberlain step in, and the tip is controlled by the Lakers. They're on the move from left to right from where we're located here at the Garden or towards 7th Avenue. Now West flips over to Baylor. One bounce over to Chamberlain. Here's the hook, no good, and the rebound is taken by Reed. Next, quickly out into the front court. It's Frazier. He veers to the left. Now over to Bradley. Cross court over to DeBusher. Back inside the Reed. Couple of dribbles. Cut off on a double team. Flips over to Frazier. Here's the 18 footer yes and so I would do that and then I would all of a sudden say and there is a timeout on the floor and now this word from Schaefer you know there's just about every kind of beer you can name when you think about it there's one beer that stands a cut above the other and that beer is Schaefer because Schaefer comes on first beer bright first beer rewarding every beer through from your first frosty glass to your very last and that's why Schaefer is the one beer to have when you're having more than one. And brother, that's the beer you've got coming. How about that? Here I am in 2023, and I still have that memorized. I don't have anything written down as I'm doing this. But anyway, that was my life going uh, growing up as a kid. And when I went to college uh, at Bowling Green, I talked about doing all of the announcing, but I want to fast forward a little bit because I've chronicled working at WKIQ for Glenn Cerny and doing, you know, all kinds of games. Uh, But I did a lot of high school football between when I got out of college and before I moved to California. And a lot of those games I did on radio. And when I reflect back on those experiences, I mean, I would go to small little towns in central Illinois and I would set up the equipment on a Friday night and I'd be on the top of a press box sometimes with the loudspeakers on each side of my head. And it was the worst possible scenario that you could imagine. Sometimes it would start raining. It could be windy. I mean, it, we were out in the elements. And uh, I really reflect back on those moments and cherish them because I got so much experience uh, just from doing high school football games and some high school basketball games. And I look back at that, and of course, I told you I announced Division One hockey for a number of years, uh, but those are some of my early memories that I cherish. I reflect back on it and go, wow, what a, what a blessing it was that I had an opportunity uh, to do those things. Another great time in my life was the lockout of 1988, or excuse me, 1998-99, when the uh, NBA had a lockout. The season that year did not begin until February 5th. And our program director, uh, Director Mike Ramey, uh, called me into his office one day and said, hey, uh, would you be interested in going to uh, ESPN this weekend? It was like a Monday. I go, what do you mean? They go, they would like you to come in and co-host game night this weekend. And I would assume you're interested. I go, yeah, of course I'm interested. So I called uh, Len Weiner at ESPN and I said, yeah, I'm definitely in, you know, and he gave me the number of the travel coordinator and I called the travel coordinator and uh, they booked my flights, got the rental car at Hartford, went to the hotel right across from ESPN studios. I believe it's the Radisson. And I'll never forget, you know, I got off the air at seven o'clock on Friday night. I think it was the last weekend of August, and I went home and ate dinner, packed a little bit, went to the airport, uh, caught a United Red Eye through Chicago, Chicago to Hartford, and I think by the time I got to the hotel, it was 8 in the morning on Saturday, and uh, I co-hosted game night, which began at 7 o'clock, 
and they wanted me over there in the afternoon to, you know, prepare and watch the games and everything. So I went, checked into the hotel, slept for about four, four and a half hours, got up, showered, got dressed. And I'll never forget walking over to ESPN for the first time and walking in to the reception area and giving them my name. And someone came down and, you know, escorted me up and showed me around. And it was just such a thrill uh, to be at ESPN back then in the late 90s. I just couldn't believe that I was on the ESPN campus and I was getting ready to do game night on ESPN radio on Saturday night from 7 to 1 in the morning. And then again on Sunday, again, the same time from 7 o'clock to 1 in the morning. And the first shows that I did uh, was with the two top personalities at ESPN Radio back then, uh, Tony Bruno and Chuck Wilson. And Tony, Tony back then was, everyone knew Tony Bruno. Tony was huge. Tony Bruno was like, you know, Mr. Sports Talk Radio on the national scene. And I was intimidated. Uh, I was nervous. And uh, Tony could not have been nicer. And to make a long story short, you know, I did this show with those two on Saturday. On Sunday, I did the show with Joe D'Ambrosio and Bob Valvano, uh, Jim Valvano's brother. And just, I had the most amazing experience. You know, they didn't pay me a lot of money. I wasn't there for the money. Uh, I was there for the experience. And it was just fascinating. So I get back to Sacramento. I wake up early Sunday morning, flight left Hartford at 7 a.m. United, nonstop to San Francisco, by the way, on a narrow body aircraft, uh, layover, puddle jumper, United Express uh, into uh, Sacramento. And very often those flights were delayed. Uh, so sometimes I had a chance to get home. Other times I went straight to the radio station. But anyway, uh, I get a phone call later that day uh, from Len Weiner again. And he said, hey, we really like you. Uh, would you be able to come in again this weekend? Now, you have to understand at this point, you know, my wife, uh, two kids, and, you know, those, th- those are the weekends, right? And, but I'm like, I can't pass up this opportunity. So I, I go back. Now it's the first weekend of football season, which was phenomenal for me, all right, with all the college going on on Saturday and the NFL going on on Sunday. And it got to a point where ESPN had me going back to Bristol, Connecticut, three weekends out of every month. And I had took one weekend off, and I was literally going nonstop. Which did not take long to become an executive premier member on United, which I love for those of you that know how much I love flying and everything. And that experience was incredible. Getting to meet Chris Berman. You know, sometimes Chris, uh, after he got off his uh, NFL shows on Sunday, would pop in and we would do a segment with him. Chris Mortensen would come in all the time. Uh, I did a number of shows with the late John Clayton. Could not have been nicer. Uh, Great guy. I mean, we used to have all kinds of the host uh, come in. Tom Jackson would come in and do segments with us. And when I would do ESPN Radio, if we were in there with three guys, uh, sometimes they would go hit me in my, you know, earpiece, and they would go, "Grant, you need to come in and interview someone." And what would happen is, you know, a college football game would just uh, ends right, and 15 minutes later, I'd have to go into another studio or whomever they called, and we would do an interview with the star player from the Ohio State Iowa game or the U- USC Oregon game or whatever the case may be. I mean, you get the picture. 
and they would hand me some stats of the game, and uh, I would go, welcome to uh, ESPN Game Night, and with us is the uh, quarterback of the USC Trojans as uh, they beat the Washington Huskies today in a very impressive performance, 31-24, to 14 fourth-quarter points, the victory, and joining us now is the quarterback, blah, 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 and we would do basically a five- to seven-minute interview, and then... A little bit later in the show, you know, we'd come back from break and go, uh, you know, uh, you know, earlier today, USC uh, beat Washington and Grant Napier had a chance to catch up with the winning quarterback, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was amazing the guests that they could get on. I'll never forget during the baseball playoffs, they uh, said, hey, coming up next is Earl Weaver. I'm like, Earl Weaver? They got Earl Weaver to come on and talk about the baseball playoffs with us. I mean, they could get anybody on. ESPN had the amazing clout to get uh, guests on nonstop. So that was a thrill for me. I look back at that period of time in my career outside of the Kings, and I probably cherished those several months more than anything. And I'll never forget when the basketball season started on February 5th. As soon as the Kings were eliminated in the playoffs by the Jazz, uh, I got a call again from Len Weiner, and he wanted me to start coming back to ESPN And to make a long story short, my wife was not on board with that. And when I reflect back on that decision, I understand it. I get it. But I wish I had worked out something with Len where I could come back once a month, you know, or twice a month instead of three times a month. And ESPN actually offered me a full-time job not too much longer after the King season ended. And I said, I can't do it. They offered me a job, and we didn't even talk money or anything. I just said, you know, I said, I can't give up NBA play-by-play and my radio show just to do radio. And they said, well, you're probably going to be able to get some play-by-play in, but we can't guarantee it. And at that point in my life, I was thinking, you know, it's going to be really hard to pick up and move uh, my wife, whose family is in Sacramento, and my two kids, who at that time were, let's see, 8 and 10, all right? Or 10 and 12, I should say. But, you know, they were had all their friends. You know, I, I'm like, you know, I, I can't do it. Uh, so I turned it down. And believe you me, I always do wonder what my journey would have been like, what my career path would have been like had I gone and worked at ESPN. Football season was great. When we used to sit in the room and watch all the games together, I used to watch the games with Mike Golick and, you know, all the fellas and I mean, it, it was awesome. I loved it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kid you. I absolutely loved it. But I would also tell you that it was quite a haul. You know, Bristol, Connecticut is not around the corner from Sacramento. And it, it did take a lot out of me. I mean, it was, it was a hectic schedule going back there and doing it three weeks a month. And again, they didn't pay me a lot. It's not like I was doing it for the money, but I met some unbelievable people back then during those months that I'm still Friends with Joe D. Ambrosio. Love Joe. Longtime voice of Connecticut basketball, both women and men in Connecticut football, and did a phenomenal job. Bob, Bob Valvano, you've probably heard Bob on my podcast before. I love Bob. And Bob's had me on his show in Louisville many times. You know, the brother of Jim Valvano, and Bob's from New York, and we both grew up on Long Island, and we had so much in common. And I, Bob was one of my favorite guys uh, that I met at ESPN. And, but, you know, meeting Chris Berman and getting to know him and so many of the others that would come in, uh, John Clayton, gosh, God rest his soul, love John Clayton. And so when I, when I think back at some of my uh, great times, those are some of the memories that really stick out. You know, doing high school sports 
where it was all about getting the experience and working in, you know, some of the worst conditions and trying to figure out how I was going to get on the air and, you know, getting to know the rosters and getting to know the names of the players, which was not easy back then, pre-internet, pre-cell phone and all of that. You understand? I mean, it was it was a different game back then. You know, you it, it's not like today where, boom, you know, you log on and all the information is on your computer screen. Those Those experiences were invaluable to me moving up the ladder when I got to California. And in this business, I always tell the young students this. You have to do reps, 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 reps. The more reps you do, the better you're going to get. It's like anything else, right? The best athletes in our world, they weren't born great. They, they have natural ability, but they become great because most of them work harder than anyone else. And I always say reps, reps, reps. You have to do the reps. You have to get experience. And the more you do, uh, the better you're going to be. But I'm, I'm so thankful that I had those experiences. I'm so thankful that I had an opportunity to do that at ESPN Radio. And then, of course, you know, it wasn't that long after that where, again, Mike Ramey called me into his office and said, hey, uh, I got a call from the executive producer of the Jim Rome Show, and they want to know if you'd be interested in filling in. And I was like, are you kidding me? Of course. And I'll never forget, I did my first show in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, we were on the road playing the Cavaliers. And I, they set up a studio for me in Cleveland. And on my first show, I had uh, Aaron Rodgers on. I had Danny Ainge on, right? And they were blown away. They were, and I also had a football, another football media uh, individual. I can't remember. But they were blown away that I could get Danny Ainge on. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers. And every time I did the show, uh, I had what I thought were A-list guests, you know, whether it was Phil Simms, uh, whether it was, you know, uh, a head coach, Steve Kerr. I had Clay Thompson on a number of times. I had other NBA head coaches on. I had uh, NFL head coaches on. I had Hugh Jackson on. I had, you know, I, I was able to get some pretty good guests. And I used to love doing the Jim Rome show. And then, of course, when Jim started simulcast, on uh, CBS Sports Network, in addition to CBS Sports Radio, I would have to fly uh, down to Orange County and do the show both on TV and radio, which I, I love because I got a chance to meet Alvin Deloro and Adam Hawk when he was the producer for Romy. And it ended up where I used to do the show, guys, I don't know, 10, 12 times a year. And I loved it. You know, I loved it. I absolutely loved going on the Rome show. It was a tremendous platform for me. And to be able to talk sports all over North America and not just in Sacramento was very refreshing for me. Because, you know, in Sacramento, we don't really talk about college sports. But you go to uh, the Jim Rome show and, you know, I'm interviewing all kinds of uh, people from college sports and big time college football and college basketball. And you don't know who's going to call you. You know, I can get a call from Tuscaloosa and they want to talk to me about the tide, you know, and their game coming up, you know, with. Auburn or what have you. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was, it was. you know, I'll tell you this. Being on the Jim Rome show was like being on a quiz show because I believed in taking phone calls. Uh, you know, the clones like to come on and talk. And I used to get calls from Canada talking about hockey. I got calls all over the country. And that was awesome. I used to love that. I, I used to absolutely love that. And, uh, you know, I miss doing the Jim Rome show. That's one of the things I've really missed over the last couple of years is going down to um, Irvine and, 
filling in for Romy, but I did it for, I don't know, 15 years, 16, 17, 18 years. I, I don't know how long I did it, but uh, those are some of the real great memories that I've been able to experience uh, in this profession that really had uh, nothing to do with the Kings. Those were highlights in my career. And on next week's episode, I'll talk about some other experiences that I look back on that uh, I have to pinch myself when I actually realize that I was able to accomplish that and do that uh, in my career. We'll have that on my next episode coming up next weekend on Tuesday. It's now time for our Crowd Ultra Q&A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com and maybe I'll answer your question on my next podcast. Our first question from Mark, who wins the Niners-Eagles game? Mark, it's going to be a heck of a game, and I can't wait to watch it. I, I'm i going to go with the Eagles by a whisker, but I wouldn't be surprised to see both these teams again in January for the NFC Championship game. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. The other aspect of this, though, that has me kind of on the other side of the fence, because, Mark, I'm trying to look at this both ways, is I don't think the Eagles are going to go 16-1. and So, you know, if they're going to lose a game or two, this would be one of the games that they would lose. But it's going to be a heck of a game. All right, let's get to Alex. Was Frank Reich the problem in Carolina? Alex, I'm not within the walls of the organization in Carolina. I'm going to say no, he was not the problem, okay? I'm going to say the problem is they don't have much talent there. How about the fact that they don't even have their number one pick, which goes to the Bears? I mean, that is a disaster for the Carolina Panthers. Freddie wants to know who is the NBA player that's most likely to be traded before the deadline. Freddie, I don't know. Um, The deadline is coming up in February, so we still have a little time. There are still things to be played out. Seemingly, uh, well, shouldn't say seemingly, but it seems that, you know, we've had more activity in the past right around the trade deadline of too difficult for me to say right now, Freddie. Too difficult for me to say. Rob wants to know, do you agree with Mike Tomlin that T.J. Watt is the best defender in the NFL? No, I don't. I think he's one of the best defenders in the NFL. If I could take any defensive player in the NFL, I'm taking Micah Parsons from the Cowboys. To me, he is the best defensive player in the NFL. Cameron says, who's the NFC team to beat? Well, it's Philadelphia, Cameron. They're the team to beat. And, you know, this Sunday is going to be a heck of a game. But to me, the Eagles are the team to beat. They're the defending NFC champs. In all likelihood, they're going to have home field advantage. Although, if they lose Sunday and lose next week to Dallas, then that may not happen. I still think they're going to be the number one seed, which means you got to go into Philly and beat them. And that's not going to be an easy test. So, I'm going to say Philadelphia. Josh wants to know, from Salt Lake City, what were you most impressed by in the Bills-Eagles game? It was a heck of a game. You know, I'm impressed that the Eagles found a way to win in a game that they probably should not have won. All right? I mean, I thought Josh Allen played as good of a game as you can play with the exception of his one bad decision, and that was the interception, which proved to be a big play in the game. You know, deep in his territory, fourth quarter, you can't make that throw. I guess the thing is the Eagles just seem to find a way to win the game. Always appreciate the questions on Crowd Ultra. Go to crowdultra.com and maybe I'll answer your question on my next podcast. It's time for Rant. 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 
Today's rant is brought to you by Bennett's Restaurants, three locations. Bennett's in Sacramento, Howe and Fair Oaks, Bennett's in Roseville, Eureka Road, Lead Hill Road, and at the Blue Oaks Town Center in Rockland, Bennett's West Side Grill. Go to Bennett'sRestaurants.com, check out the menu and more. You will love it. It is awesome. Don't forget about the weekend brunch, the weekend prime rib, 60 different types of wine available by the glass. You'll find it at Bennett's. Bennett'sRestaurants.com. Let me get this straight. Deion Sanders is Sports Illustrated's Sportsman of the Year, the most overrated football team in the history of college football, the team that got more ridiculous publicity because Deion Sanders was the coach than any team that I can remember ever, right? Name me a team that got more coverage that was a bad team than Colorado. They won four games last year. They didn't beat a team worth talking about. And don't talk to me about TCU. They were terrible this year. You know, they went into TCU and beat a team that was in the Final Four last year, and everybody's going gaga, and I said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. And I've been consistent about this. Go back and watch my rants in September, talking about how overrated Colorado was and how the media attention on Colorado was absurd. Deion Sanders being the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, to me, is an insult to other well-deserving folks. I mean, and I have nothing against Deion Sanders, Hall of Fame player, great player with a capital G. And I believe in due time, he'll have the Colorado Buffaloes, you know, going eight and four or nine and three or 10 and two instead of what it was this year. But really, you're giving Colorado the head coach, the sportsman of the year, Sports Illustrated. That's embarrassing. Plain and simple. That's freaking embarrassing. And that's my podcast for today. And that's my rant for today. Hope you have a fabulous weekend. And thank you so much, as always, for listening to If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. So long, everybody. Everybody.